This morning, um, it was about um, five something, five something in the morning, and I all of a sudden woke up and just felt this urge that uh, you should get up and you should pray. And I was like, oh, it's too early, I'll go back to bed. And, uh, and then Anna started to, to cry and um, she wouldn't settle, so I got up and I was like, oh, okay, I'm up already. So um, this morning, um, as I was reading, um, the first 11 verses of John chapter five, you can turn to John chapter five, And yeah, as you're turning there, I'm just going to pray. Father, um, yeah, just acknowledge um, my weakness and um, just how dependent I am on you. Lord, all of us, we, we need to hear what you have to say. Um, so we just ask that you would speak, you would speak clearly through uh, this feeble voice of mine. And um, Father, we uh, just pray that uh, yeah, you would you would give help. You would open open our hearts for what it is that you have for us, and lead us on by your Spirit. In Jesus' name, Amen. So John chapter five, um, and uh, just I'll read the first eleven verses. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath, so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, The man who healed me, that man said to me, Take up your bed and walk. Um, I'm not going to go into all, all the, the background of this, but uh, essentially... Just quickly, there, there's this pool. Um, it's called the Pool of uh, Bethesda. And um, that word Bethesda, it means um, house of mercy or flowing water. And there was all of these people, it describes them as invalids, blind, lame, paralyzed people with all sorts of um, conditions that they were looking to be healed from. They um, were hoping that if they could get into this pool when it was stirred up, um, 
that they would be able to be healed from it. And we read of this man who, it says he had been there for 38 years. 38 years. That's longer than I have been alive. He, uh, he had been there for almost four decades. Every day doing the same thing, trying his best to get into that pool, and every day hoping that one day, maybe one day, he could get healed. This man, you know, being there for so long, I think it would be very easy for him to just become sort of like a, a fixture, become, he's just like a piece of furniture. Just, he's there, and he's always going to be there. And it's very easy to overlook someone like that. But then Jesus enters the scene, and he, he sees him. And, you know, you see his, his omniscience. Jesus, knowing everything, of course, he says, he comes and he, he, he knows that he had been lying there a long time. And then he asks him this question, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? And, you know, as I was reading that, it, I was thinking, what a ridiculous question. Of course he wants to be healed. He's been sitting there for 38 years and hoping, hoping, trying his best to get to the pool, to get into the water, to get healed. Every day, the same thing, day after day after day after day. Of course he wants to be healed. And of course Jesus knows this. And the sick man answered him, verse 7, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. You just see how this man, no matter what he did, in his own strength, he could not attain the mercy. He could not attain the, the healing on his own. I was thinking, isn't that, isn't that me? You know, it reminded me of, um, of the story of uh, Mephibosheth who received mercy from King David. And often, you know, I've, I've felt like that's, that's my story. I, I was stuck. I was dead. Dead, dead in my sins dead in my trespasses without hope lost I couldn't do anything you know this man he tried everything he could but he couldn't attain what he was looking for. Verse 8, Jesus said to him, Get up, 
take up your bed and walk. You know, again, this man, he had been sitting there for almost 40 years. Sitting there unable to, to walk, unable to get up on his own. And now here's Jesus telling him to do what is or what has been impossible for him all these last 38 years. And it's amazing. He, he takes him at his word. He takes the Savior at his word. He, he s- believes that if Jesus is the one who's telling him to get up, then he will have the ability to get up. And he, it says, at once, at the word of Jesus, he was instantly healed. Instantly. And then, I love this, and he took up his bed and walked. He was instantly healed, and then he instantly obeyed. He was instantly healed, and then he instantly obeyed. And again, I was thinking, how, how foolish would it have been for this man, after he was healed, to just stay where he was? To just sit there on his bed and to remain in the state that he was? You know, those, those of us that, that are saved, how foolish is it for us to make our bed in places where the Lord has delivered us from? He was instantly healed and he instantly obeyed. You know, Jesus goes on um, in verse 14. He catches up with this man later, and, and he says, uh, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. You know, it seems like the consequences to continue in sin is far worse. Now, for anyone who does not know the Lord Jesus, for anyone who has not received that mercy, received that deliverance, you know, it's, it's so clear right here. You can't do it on your own. It's, it's all the Lord Jesus. You know, all of, all of our, our brokenness, our lameness, our, our sin, the Bible says that it was all laid on Him. That he, he took it on himself, on, on the tree, on the cross. He bore it for us. The, the hymn writer says, All our sins were laid upon him. 
God who knew them laid them on him, and believing, we are free. And that's all it takes to take Jesus at his word, to believe in him, and to be free, to be set free from the bondage of sin, to receive mercy. Jesus took it on himself. And uh, for those of us that have received that mercy, the instruction is to, to instantly obey, to go forward and follow him. You know, it, it reminds me of the, the woman who was caught in adultery just a few chapters later where Jesus says to her, go and sin no more. So, um, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there and um, just pray that, uh, that this was encouraging and that uh, the Lord spoke to you. Happy uh, Thanksgiving, everyone. Okay, show of hands, how many of us feel happy today? There's a few. How many of us feel super thankful? Yeah, if I can... Uh, I don't see every hand. You'll notice mine's not up. And uh, this is probably more just personal confession than anything in being up here. But, um, yeah, you can turn to Luke 22. And as um, you're turning there, just... Um, Maybe I'll ask the younger folks. Biblically, uh, young usually means under 40. But um, can you tell me the one time in your New Testament where it specifically says this is the will of God for you? All young people want to know what God's will for them is. And you can't tell me the one time it says this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you? It's First Thessalonians 5. Anyone know what comes right before that? Yeah, there we go. Give a thousand junior theologian points over there. But um, yeah, it's, it's technically three things. First Thessalonians 5. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. In everything, notice it doesn't say for everything, but in everything, give thanks. Um, how many of us find that hard? <laughs> now my hand goes up. Um, It's helpful, it says, in everything, not for everything. And if we look around here, um, there's some really tough things that many of us, some of us, I'll just say, are going through um, that don't exactly make us feel thankful or feel happy. And um, this was striking me and probably convicting to me on the drive over here and just convicted of my miserable attitude. And uh, yeah, when Jeremy mentioned 5 a.m., and um, crying baby. Um, I can uh, echo with those sentiments this morning. And um, yeah, don't feel particularly happy or thankful here today. And yet I'm told in scripture that the will of God in Christ Jesus for me, it's actually you plural for us all, is that we give thanks in everything. Maybe not for it, but in everything. 
And um, man, I fell short this morning. Um, I was kind of miserable, even when my wife did get up a couple hours later after we'd calmed baby and I'd uh, had her with me. Um, still, I was just a zombie and probably not the most uh, happy and helpful husband at that time. And um, I just want to say, how do I like give thanks in that? Well, one of it is I'm thankful that um, when God looks at me, he sees me in Christ Jesus. Um, it's not about my performance, it's about what he's already performed. And um, one thing that just has struck out or been amazing to me is you look at the life of the Lord Jesus. Um, it's not that he's some distant deity and hasn't entered into all of it. You look, there's seven times I find in the gospel accounts we read that Jesus Christ gave thanks. Um, you'll see him giving thanks before he raises Lazarus. Um, he says, Father, I thank you that you hear me. Ah, but for everyone else's sake, glorify yourself. Um, he gives thanks after the disciples come back and they're misguided. He gave thanks for like the feeding of the 5,000 where he knew they were going to come back the next day and just wanted to use him for his works and had nothing to do with him. Um, but perhaps the best example we have of what giving thanks can look like when maybe not feeling it is here in Luke 22. I'll just read it, starting verse 14. When the hour had come, he sat down, the 12 apostles with him, and he said, with fervent desire, I've desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I'm not going to eat of it again until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and gave thanks. You go down to verse 19. He took the bread and gave thanks. And did he just said, oh, this is a really nice meal we're about to have? This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And you'll read actually in both the other two synoptics, Matthew and Mark, that when he took the cup and said, this is my blood being shed for you, he gave thanks. Now, fast forward later that night. Was Jesus super stoked and excited about going and being made sin for us? Like great sweat and drops of blood over the anguish of being made sin and facing the full fury of his righteous wrath against all the wrong that we have done. Um, did he feel like, was he happy in that moment? Was he feeling like it? It's not meant to be rhetorical. It's like, praise God, in his righteousness, he didn't. And yet, what does he do? Here's my body, which is going to get brutally beaten and tormented, and my visage so marred that I won't even look human. Thank you, Father. And um, this cup, which is speaking about my blood being shed for you, thank you, Father. How many of us in that moment put ourselves in his sandals would be saying thank you? Yeah, good. No hand went up. But when God looks at me, even me this morning, grumbling and long-faced and a bit of a miserly cow, um, he doesn't see me. He sees his son saying thank you. And um, one of the things that's really helpful, too, is... Um, if you read at the end of this, uh, yeah, the account that they, um, before they left the upper room, they sang hymns. 
which we know based on Jewish tradition would have been the Halal Psalm, Psalm 113 through 118. And right smack dab in the middle of it, you'll come to Psalm 116, and it says, I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving. It's almost like Hebrews 13, where it talks about the sacrifice of our lips. Based on what God's done for us, should it actually be a sacrifice to give thanks to him and to praise him? Shouldn't be. But yet we have a God who's so gracious and merciful and kind that even when I don't feel like it and I still say, well, thank you, Father. My heart's not in it, but I'll still, he'll take it. And even more, it's not just the fact that Jesus is greater than me, but he's better than me. And when I go to him in moments like this, Hebrews 4, I have a compassionate high priest who says, I know, I've been there. I'll perfect that and present that better to the Father. So I'm going to give thanks here and just let you know, it's not coming from a body that's like thrilled and overjoyed and wanting to give a happy dance up here. It's not coming from a soul that's really firing on all cylinders. But it's coming from one who's found in Jesus Christ. And we have, when I prayed in Jesus Christ, he presented to the Father and it's a sweet smelling aroma. And might that help each one of us? Because I see some long faces here. I know there's some struggles. I've talked to a few of you this week who will tell me about, I don't feel like it. And nevertheless, we can be completely reassured that we are found in one who is perfect in all his ways, who'd even say, thank you for this bread. Thank you for this cup, which speaks of my body, my blood, being brutally tormented and poured out for you. And also one who's going to present it perfect to the Father. And even though I might not feel like it, it can still be a sacrifice of thanksgiving acceptable to him. Father, I, just, I thank you for that reality. I thank you. We talk about performance. Your son performed perfectly. And um, yeah, the most surprising thanksgiving I see in scripture is right here in front of me. And um, yeah, I just want to um, agree with you when you say this is your well-beloved son in whom you're well-pleased. Um, he is um, better and greater and grander than we know. And um, thank you that we're found acceptable and pleasing in your sight because of him. And it's not about how I feel. It's not about how I perform. It's not about those things. It's about him. And um, what a joy and confidence builder that is. So um, this morning... Whether it feels like a sacrifice or whether it's coming from like a heart abounding or anything in between, we want to be people who just say thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you that you loved us enough to give your son. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you loved us enough even after 33 years and seeing all the filth, knowing the intents of the heart. Yeah, 10 lepers. He marvelously healed. Only one comes back to give thanks. We want to be like him, but even still, you'd go to the cross and say, yeah, I'm thankful. It's a fervent desire. I want a fellowship with you. And um, that's just a marvel to me. So, um, yeah, wanting to be those found in the will of God in Christ Jesus today. We just say thank you afresh. Um, in Jesus' name, for his name, and might this just be pleasing to you. Um, Thank you for grace that makes up the difference in the gap between where we're at and where we ought to be. And um, yeah, I know we may not be breaking bread and taking the cup here this morning, but just thinking of it afresh. Thank you that a God was willing to become flesh, willing to become man and die for men so that we as sons of men 
can boldly enter now as sons of God. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Quick little thought here. Um, maybe if you're still open to the book of Luke, um, the next chapter over from where uh, Nathan was talking, chapter 23, um, just a very short verse, verse 38, and it, it's going to lead me to a, another book of the Bible here. Uh, chapter 23 of Luke 38, uh, an inscription was above him, this is the king of the Jews. Uh, maybe you'd flip over with me to the book of Colossians as well. It's kind of an odd spot to, to land in the book of Luke, uh, maybe. Um, a few things Jeremy was saying um, and Nathan made me kind of think of these verses I've been thinking of this past week. Colossians, let's go chapter 2 and uh, I'll read um, verse 13 and, uh, and 14 here. And when you are dead in trespasses, speaking of us as sinners, Jeremy mentioned that word, um, when we were dead, in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him and forgave us of all of our trespasses. Man, isn't that a reason to be excited and joyful and thankful this morning? Verse 14, he erased the certificate of debt with its obligation that was against us and opposed us and has taken it away by nailing it on the cross. And uh, that's kind of what I was thinking about in, in Luke there. What was nailed um, on the, the cross on Jesus, it said, um, King of the Jews. And what was nailed on the cross was the accusation against the person who was also nailed on that cross. And, and, and reading it here, that wasn't the only thing nailed on that cross that day. Because it was our sin that was nailed on the cross. And paid in full is what the Lord Jesus Christ said. It wasn't just that accusation against him. Um, but, but it was this, our, our certificate of debt. I love how, you know, it, it says here, um, he erased the certificate. Now, I think back to when I was in, I don't know, let's pick grade four or five. Maybe you get those whiteboards up at the front of the school. And they get kind of old, and they've been written on so many times. You know, you can write something on them, and then you can go erase it. But, like, you know, you can really still see what was written there afterwards because I don't know how it works. You just don't get cleaned enough or something, uh, I'm sure. Jeremy, a professional teacher, could tell you exactly what you need to do about that. But, but that's how I remember them. But that's not how it was here. You couldn't, it wasn't, oh, let's, we'll erase that out. But you can still kind of see what was written there. No, it was a, a complete um, white slate. Um, I'll just finish off with two verses, chapter uh, 1 of Colossians. Or maybe it's 3, I'm not sure. Let's say uh, Colossians 1. Verse 12, giving thanks to God, uh, uh, to the Father, who has enabled you uh, to share 
in the saints, uh, inherits in the light. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This word transferred I've been thinking about for a while. It's such a beautiful word, isn't it? Transferred. But I've been thinking, man, what does it mean? So I'm not really much one for... um, English, our English class in school was not something I was any good at. I think they're called synonyms, words that kind of mean the same thing, but it's a different word. Um, don't quote me on that. I, I'm not much, much of an English fellow. I'm just a farmer, as we say. What do I know? But anyways, um, as a, a farmer, I, get, I can think about plants. It makes kind of sense to me. Um, so I've been looking for some words that, you know, kind of work with this word transferred. One of the ones that I found was removed. Well, you know, it's kind of part of it. Going down the list was uprooted. Well, you know, that's kind of part of it. It's, it's moving, but it's, it's kind of missing something. Another word was to carry. Well, point A to B, I mean, it's getting there. Another one, relocate. Um, and, and then I kind of thought about it. These are words I, I don't know if I got them on dictionary.com or something. Um, then I, I kind of put them all together. Remove, uproot, carry, and relocate. And I thought of this, oh man, it's just like we do in springtime. I don't know um, if any of you have gardens, but when I was a kid, we, were, we grew um, things in the farmer's market. And uh, to get a little edge on the competition, we would do uh, transplants, right? We'd get them started in the nice warm greenhouse, get them up and coming, and, um, and then we would transplant them into our garden so that we weren't starting from zero by the time it was warm enough out. And I thought, oh man, that's just a, a great word, transplanted. Because it's just kind of the same thing here, then that word transferred. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, that, that old dead, um, deadness, transplanted us, taken us out of, well, the greenhouse, uprooted, carried us, relocated us uh, into the kingdom of his son, who he loves. In him we have the redemption and the forgiveness of our sins. So... Just uh, leave it there for the next brother to continue on. Yeah, I just want to echo the words of my brother from earlier. Um, I don't feel like being up here this morning, but um, I guess I just feel compelled to share uh, certain portions of scripture that I've been meditating on the past couple of weeks. The first one I want to share, I've actually read a couple of weeks ago, but um, all this talk about um, worshiping a God who's alive lately, especially um, last week, the amazing God that we serve, whom we know is alive, just brought me back to, I guess I'm going to start in 1 Kings 18, and then I might make myself to Galatians 5 later on. But, um, yeah, the story I came across in 1 Kings 18 is basically about Elijah's Mount Carmel victory where he challenges the prophets of Baal to a challenge to to figure out, you know, um, if the God that they serve is alive. 
And um, so he challenges them to make a sacrifice upon the altar, basically to prepare a bull, lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. In other words, they'll call out to their God, and if their God is alive, he'll ignite the fire. He'll burn the offering, basically. And uh, so I'm going to start in verse 25. So Elijah calls the prophets of Baal to, he says, Choose one bull for yourselves and prepare it first, for you are many. And call on the name of your God, but put no fire under it. In other words, yeah, there's like 450 of you. So surely if you guys all call out at the same time, if your God is alive, he'll hear you and he'll definitely, yeah, burn this offering. <clears throat> and so in verse 26, so they took the bull which was given them and they prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning even till noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, no one answered. Then they leaped about the altar which they had made. <laughs> and I was just chuckling as I was reading this, like, imagine the utter foolishness and, yeah, just how embarrassing they must have felt going from evening till noon, calling out to this God, whom I'm sure they felt pretty hopeless at this point, you know, calling out and hearing no answer. And I just love Elijah's response in, in verse 27. And so it was at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is meditating, or he is busy, or he is on a journey, or perhaps he is sleeping and must be awakened. And yeah, imagine how infuriated they must have felt at this point. And to go even further and just try everything that they knew in their arsenal to uh, awaken this so-called god. So they cried aloud and cut themselves, as was their custom, with knives and lenses until the blood gushed out on them. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to serve a God like this. I was just thinking as I was reading, this God, he seems kind of high maintenance. Uh. <clears throat> and when midday was past, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. But there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. <laughs> Yeah, these prophets of Baal, they must have felt pretty, they must have been melting in their embarrassment and foolishness at this point. They must have hoped that whatever Elijah was going to do, that his God also wasn't going to answer or that his God also wasn't alive. So the best thing that they could have hoped for was basically a draw in this challenge, basically, um, yeah, that they didn't know which God was alive and who was dead. So... Yeah, I guess this first portion just basically reminded me of, um, I guess, myself personally, how, speaking from my own experience, how much time or, uh, yeah, the sacrifices that I make to spend time with my idols. And I know I have a few, and every person in this room probably also has idols. I'm not going to mention names or anything, but basically for myself, it's sports. I have a big problem with sports. I love watching hockey, I love watching football, but the biggest sacrifice, I don't necessarily sacrifice bulls like these prophets did, but the thing that I sacrifice is time. The thing most near and dear and precious to me that I could be spending in the word is I sacrifice my time for, for idols, for watching sports, or, or spending time on my phone even. I have a problem with my phone too. So. Yeah, I've just, 
I've been, yeah, my personal idol is, is the Bombers. Like, for those of you who don't know who the Bombers are, CFL football team, I've been a fan since I was old enough to understand what football was. So that's, uh, <laughs> that's been a challenge to uproot that from my heart. And so I would, yeah, just when I know they are playing, I would just rush through uh, spending time in the word just to watch the game or in... Yeah, I, and I immediately regret it afterwards. Like, when they lose the game, I'm like, this was pointless, I should have spent time in my Bible instead. And yeah, just running to those things that I think will satisfy me in the moment. And they do, like for 30 minutes to an hour, just spending time on my phone, it's so easy to just pull it out when I'm bored and spend an hour there, half an hour there. And, and so yeah, those little things that we think satisfy us, but they only do for a short while, when we could be spending time in the Word and be, who knows, satisfied for a week or a month. So yeah, the contrast here in verse 30. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And I just love how the attitude of Elijah here, he didn't want to have anything to do with this altar that uh, the prophets of Baal used to sacrifice. He actually repaired one that was broken down. That's how far away he wanted to be from this false god. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the son of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. Then with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar, large enough to hold two sayers of seed. And he put the wood in order, cut the bull in pieces, and laid it on the wood, and said, Fill four water pots with water, and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And I just love the confidence that Elijah had here, the utmost confidence that he knew the God that he worshipped was alive. Then he said, Do it a second time. Okay. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. <laughs> In other words, yeah, if my God doesn't answer, then, sh then he is not alive. And they did it a third time. So the water ran all around the altar, and he also filled the trench with water. And yeah, these prophets of Baal must have been thinking, oh, this guy is insane. His God will never answer with all this water here. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are a God in Israel, and I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God, and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, and the wood and the stones and the dust, and they licked up the water that was in the trench. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And I actually looked it up. The, if they actually acknowledged, or if this was actually heart knowledge, the fact that they acknowledged the Lord here. And, and, and it might have not been. These people might have just seen it and just basically professed it. It didn't actually strike them to the heart like it should have. And... Yeah, I guess the contrast here, just from my, what, what I was talking about earlier, the sacrifices that we take time to spend in our idols and to look for uh, satisfaction elsewhere versus now this, where it basically reminded me of the fact that we can do anything that we want to, to you know, speaking from an unsafe person's perspective, to, to quench our consciences and to, you know, fill our hearts with water, so to speak, fill our hearts with you know, quench this, this holy fire in our hearts. But, 
You know, the Lord, the Lord, he can bring back anyone from the dead, no matter how filled with sin they are, no matter, yeah, no matter how lost they are. The Lord, when he calls someone, he'll ignite that fire in our hearts, no matter what. He's alive, and yeah, he'll go to, through any means necessary to, to turn a person away from sin. Now, sure, there's this concept of, you know, um, dulling our consciences, but yeah, as it says here, the Lord can do, can do anything, no matter how filled with sin, or with, yeah, how hard we try to turn our hearts away. So yeah, just... I was encouraged by that, and also I was reading earlier this week in, in Galatians 5, basically, um, I was reminded last week, you know, a couple, a couple of us brothers sat down um, at the Klein Saucers and had a little bit of a conversation about, you know, Christian liberty and basically the time that we spent in, in a religious system. and. Yeah, I would, I'm just going to start, um, gather, my, gather my thoughts as I'm reading and start in Galatians 5, verse 1. Um, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. I mean, me, for me personally, coming from a religious system, you know, being indoctrinated all my life with, you know, these religious rules that I have to follow to... To, to, to earn my salvation and to earn the appeal of God. And uh, yeah, just, yeah, I, I, I have a problem with sometimes, you know, the devil will go through any means necessary to bring us back to this mindset of, oh, we have to do something. We have to do, you know, these certain things. We have to make this checklist for ourselves to, to, um, to yeah, to please the Lord and uh, to bring us back into, into fellowship with him again. And this next verse is what I loved is what I loved immediately after I read the first verse. Indeed I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I guess in the context of who Paul was writing to, he was writing to the Jews who basically got turned away by these um, false indoctrinators that told them that they needed to be circumcised to, to earn their salvation. And for me it just it just told me that if I placed any kind of checklist for myself, in other words, I have to do this today, I have to do that today, and then I'm good for today, Christ will profit me nothing. And, and it says in verse 3, And I testify again that every man who becomes circumcised, that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You know, I think uh, Brother Colin mentioned it last week. He basically said the same thing that, yeah, what good is it that Christ came to die for us if we think that we have to do something to earn God's favor? If we make a checklist for ourselves, it says here in verse 3, technically we are indebted to keep the whole law, and it is impossible to do that. You have become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by law. You have fallen from grace. And this word estranged and uh, yeah, this concept of falling from grace, this doesn't mean that we lose our salvation. That basically just means we've, we've become strangers to God. We've forgotten who he is and, who, and what he came to do and why, he, and why exactly he came to die for us. For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. By faith. 
And I love what it says in verse 6 because it also reminded me of something. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. And when the devil doesn't get us by making checklists for ourselves, in other words, I have to do this, I have to do that, I've noticed for myself that he actually tries to entice me with the opposite. Oh, I didn't do this today, so I'm good. In other words, uncircumcision. If I don't get, if I don't get circumcised in the case of the Jews, then I'm good. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything because then you're making a checklist for yourself again. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. I kept myself clean from this. I didn't spend too much time on my phone today, so I'm good. Again, another checklist. And so, yeah, that's basically um, the things that I was reminded of this morning and that I, what I've been pondering on the past week, that yeah, I'm just so thankful to be serving a God who, who I know answers prayers <laughs> and whom I know I don't have to go through, you know, cutting myself and offering up all these foolish sacrifices that these prophets of Baal went through to appease their so-called God. That, that must have been very... Yeah. Yeah, I just want to pray as I close off my portion for this morning. Father God, I just want to come before you and yeah, thank you for that time this morning to be able to come before you and share and pray and uh, yeah, for all the brothers that have come up earlier to share their thoughts. I was certainly encouraged by a lot of them and uh, yeah, Lord, just this whole concept of thanksgiving. I There's a lot of things that I am thankful for, but I would be ashamed to not first and foremost say that I am thankful for you. I am thankful to serve a God who's alive and serve a God whom I know hears me and who considers my prayers and my requests and my petitions. And yeah, I just want to pray for the rest of this morning. I want to pray that, yeah, anyone, even just one person was encouraged by what I shared and yeah, that I would live by my words and that uh, you would help me with my idols and that um, yeah, that it would work in my heart, keep me clean from, keep me clean from sin, and uh, yeah, just whoever has something here to share this morning, I pray, Lord, that you would give them courage and boldness to come up and share what they have, and uh, yeah, that we would be encouraged by one another, and yeah, just thank you, Lord, for the time you've given us here this morning in Jesus' name, Amen. Yeah, I should also be the last guy being up here because I had a. Fairly horrible day yesterday, but uh, meeting with a brother and he refreshed me in the Lord again. And just this morning, a couple of thoughts came to mind as I was just pondering on. Man, this world is, uh, if you're living in the flesh and you're trying to find things in this world that will satisfy you, they'll uh, kill you pretty quick. Uh, a song that I've been enjoying as I've been driving to electrical school for the last six weeks, I've listed it off times. It's very short and it's very rep uh, repetitive. But uh, yeah, it just, uh, oh, that I could see your face, how I'm longing for that day. Brighter sun of holy grace, make my heart a holy place. And it goes to Matthew 5, which I've been pondering on the first four verses a lot. Uh, blessed are the poor who have nothing to, br to own. Blessed are the mourners who are crying alone. Blessed are the guilty who have nowhere to go, for their hearts have a road to the kingdom of God, and their so souls are the songs of the kingdom of God, and they will find a refuge, for theirs is the kingdom of God. 
Beauty shining from your face, always long to see this place. Is there somewhere I can stay even just a couple days? Blessed are the poor who have nothing to own. Blessed are the mourners who are crying alone. Blessed are the guilty who have nowhere to go. For their hearts have a road to the kingdom of God. And their souls are the songs of the kingdom of God. And they will find a refuge for theirs is the kingdom of God. And it just ends. The Lord is our shepherd. We shall not want. In valley or pasture. We shall not want. Our cup runneth over and over. For now and forever. This world will do the opposite. If you are traveling with Christ. Oh, there's many Psalms I could share here. It's, uh, there's, there's a lot. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen your heart, all you who hope in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice your righteous. Shout for joy, all you upright in heart. I sought the Lord. He heard me. He delivered me from my fears. They looked to him and were radiant. And their faces were not ashamed. Jeremy talked about this poor man. This poor man cried out and the Lord heard him. Saved him out of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you as saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger. But those who seek the Lord shall not lack a good thing. So I'll read it again. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. It's quite amazing. The Lord works opposite as the world. The, Lord, the, the world just takes, 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 never enough. More burns, more burns, takes, takes, takes. To every one of those blessings here, I, I wrote, He gives. Uh, verse 4, blessed are those who mourns, for they shall be comforted. He gives. For, um, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. He gives. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. He gives. Again, if you're feeling down and out, as I did yesterday, had a horrible day. Turn to the scriptures. Turn to the Lord. Um, he is just so different. Nothing can compare to him. Nothing can compare to him. I shared that portion with the dead bones. You walk around in the valley kicking dead bones. That's no challenge for the Lord. And he works backwards. The bones started rattling. Then he put the flesh on. Then he breathed life into him. He works backwards. The world doesn't get that. I'll give you another hand. I think I mentioned it last time I shared it. Maybe you forgot about it. I keep reminding myself every week. Kurt, do you want to know why the flesh and the spirit are fighting so much? Because the flesh doesn't care about eternity. And until you're gone from this body, that fight will be there. That fight will be there. The flesh don't give a hoot about nothing upstairs. And that's why there's a fight, flesh and the spirit. But praise the Lord, Kurt Mandel is indwelled by the Holy Spirit now. And when he looks at Christ, he is radiant. Not every day, it's not perfectly, but I'm learning. Um, you can ask my wife, I have probably more horrible days than good days, but... The Lord does some teaching and he needs to rip out uh, roots and things that we have dug down. And as he's pulling out roots, bigger ones pull out. But he looked on his face and were radiant. Again, um, don't go to the world when you're down. Don't go to the world for satisfaction. Money will satisfy you probably an hour. I don't know. But uh, yeah. And another thing, not only... I'm thankful for that. It don't matter, just like our brother shared. We're seen as in Christ now. 
when the Lord looks at me, and as Alistair Begg says, when this guy comes into the kingdom of God, the thief on the cross would have probably said, he's paraphrasing, and the guy would ask him, how did you get here? It's like, uh, that guy over there said I can come. That's literally all it is. And now as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we work, our, we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. If he doesn't take you as soon as you're saved, well, that just means he has work for you to do. Um, uh, and just another thing I'm thankful for is, for my life, which I'm also learning, is uh, I'd like to read the whole chapter, but I probably won't. Uh, Romans 6. That is an amazing scripture. Um, the Lord has saved me from many things. The Lord has saved me from a lot of sexual sins. The Lord is saving me from anger. The Lord is saving me from trusting um, other than Him. The Lord is saving me from many things. But as I'm walking in Him, I can see these verses come alive. It's quite amazing that the body of sin might be done away with. We should be no longer slaves to sin. For he who has died has, freed, has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Not only have we been saved from sin, death no longer has dominion over us. Don't matter. It's quite amazing. The life that he lives, he lives to God. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. When you obey the lusts of your heart, it brings death. Three quarters of the time when I'm dead, when I feel like crap, that's because I obeyed the devil. But we don't have to anymore. There's no chains connected to us anymore. We're free. We'll always sin. And we have a Father that we can go to, or Jesus Christ, that we can confess our sins. But... It doesn't have a rule over us. I don't have to get up every day feeling like, oh man, the devil has a hold on me. No, he does not. I do not have to, I do not have to follow that liar and I do not have to obey him in his lusts. But again, I just reminded you, the flesh will always be here. There will always be that fight. But Christ died for us, so the flesh is pushed away now. As we get closer to him, we get farther away from the devil and his lies. It's quite amazing. So the two things that I'll be thankful for this morning is if you're mourning, if you're crying, if you're sad, if you're guilty, oh man, that's where Christ enters. That's where he works perfectly. And if you're feeling dead, that's where Christ works. <laughs> Blessed are the poor who have nothing to own. Blessed are the mourners who are crying alone. Blessed are the guilty who have nowhere to go. For, theirs have the, for their hearts have a road to the kingdom of God. And another thing I am thankful for is that sin doesn't have dominion over me anymore. I don't have to follow or obey its lusts anymore. To some extent we will, yes, but for each person it's different. For each person you're, you're a different stage than me in life and however close you are to Christ, that'll be different, the sinning and the disobeying and stuff like that. I don't know it perfectly, but... I know there's no more chains on my neck. I don't have to obey him. So I'll just pray. Father, I just hope that was an encouragement to someone. Um, I didn't have a good day with you yesterday. I failed miserably. Um, but man, I'm just so glad that your faithfulness is forever and ever. That you're so, more, so, so bigger, so stronger, so much more faithful than I ever will be. 
and that if I could have lived a perfect life, then the Lord Jesus wouldn't have had to die for me. But as soon as you died for me, and as soon as I took that, took that precious gift, um, the, the, the sins Kurt committed, past, present, future, all gone. You already died for my sins that I'm going to do tomorrow. So amazing, Father. So yeah, um, if there's people here that need to be comforted, I'm a horrible comforter, but you're the perfect comforter. If there's people here that are mourning, Father, just enter in. Um, just enter in. Be stronger than the devil. Um, he's just a liar and a confuser. If there's people that are guilty, if there's no people that are not saved, um, if they're trying to earn salvation, if they're trying to do something to earn it, Father, just make it very clear that you're the only door to salvation. And you're the only hope. You're the only life. You're everything, Father, that this fleshly, sick human heart needs. Um, yeah, when you enter in and we, when we look at you, we are radiant, Father. I just pray that that become more of a realization in my life. We've been talking so much about idols and things, and I've almost gone a little bit crazy with all those things, and I'm like, Father, this is just too much. I have many idols. Well, maybe on the flip side is, well, Kurt, look to me and you'll be radiant. <laughs> so, Father, just help us. Whatever stage of life we are in, I don't know any person's heart here. My life is fairly busy at the moment. Um, but you're so sovereign. Um, you left and left the, and brought back the Spirit as a helper, Lord. And you can enter into anybody's lives and you can make the difference. Whatever you have begun, you'll complete it. Um, so yeah, just uh, help us to look to you to be radiant, Lord. As we just shared on Tuesday men's prayer, uh, Brother Aaron, uh, let your face shine on us, Lord. So yeah, thank you for your mercy. And thank you for this grace, for your grace this morning, in your name. Amen. I think we could go on for a while, but um, because of the time and respect for the teachers and Sunday school starting, um, I'm just going to close with three verses. Thank you, Kurt, for uh, sharing again, just uh, wrapping up. Psalm 136, you don't have to turn to it. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of Lords. His love endures forever. As we started when Nathan started this morning, and some of us may have trouble reflecting on things to be thankful for because of the personal burdens that we carry, um, may we be reminded this morning, may we, we have been refreshed that we have much to be thankful for. Um, our sin, the things that trouble us, can weigh us down. They take our eyes off the Lord and can be a hindrance. Um, but we can be free and just praise God that his love endures forever. We're going to take a quick break and then come back. I'll just close in prayer. Um, we're going to have a really short break, so be prepared to come back. Serena is leading singing this morning. Thank you, Serena. There's no shock look in your face. Thank you. Um, we, really need, we really need everyone's help for singing, so please... Come on back in quickly. We need your participation. The kids are here and will be enthusiastic to be expressing themselves, but we also need all the adults here too again. So let's just pray. Father, just thank you that you are faithful and that your love endures forever. Um, Father, we may come here this morning with downcast hearts and have, have trouble looking inward to be thankful and grateful, Father, but Lord, you have done so much for us and 
you have set us free and you desire us to walk in that freedom. Help us not to be enslaved, Lord, by the things that so easily entrap us. Just uh, help us to focus on you this day and may our day be brighter because of what you have done in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.